Today from Chuck Swindoll. When you read the book of the Revelation, the chaos may break loose around you, but you will not be panicked. You will not be confused. You will understand that events are unfolding just as God planned them. Reading the book of Revelation is not for the faint of heart. It's daunting, not only because of the many references to weird and unfamiliar characters, but because the apocalyptic references are unsettling. Well, today on Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll continues his study in the book of Revelation. It's a verse-by-verse series that will bring clarity to confusing passages, and it will calm our fears as well. When we begin to understand God's future timetable, that's already set in motion for those who follow him. Chuck titled today's message, Prelude to the Unveiling. Turn in your Bibles to the last book, the book of the Revelation, and allow me to read for you the first eight verses, which we have entitled The Prelude to the Unveiling. Revelation 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. You're listening to Insight for Living. To dig deeper into the book of Revelation with Chuck Swindoll, be sure to download his Searching the Scriptures guide by going to insight.org studies. Chuck calls today's message, Prelude to the Unveiling. Try to imagine when these words were first spoken. 
We are living in the strangest days that man has ever known. The world has passed through terrible times before, but never has the whole earth been so bound together in the wild plunging through one catastrophe after another as today. There have been wars down through the ages, but never wars that have touched so many nations as the conflicts through which we have passed in this generation. There have been political crises, but not on a scale that touched all of the continents. When I read those words this past week, I thought, they sound like words that our president would have spoken maybe around 9-11-01. Or maybe they came from a Billy Graham crusade where this lifelong evangelist stood and spoke of our times and had that ring of relevance in his message that he always has. To my surprise, they were from, from neither. In fact, no one from the 21st century Someone from the early half of the 20th century first wrote those words. His name in evangelical circles was a, a household name as people all around the United States spoke of Donald Gray Barnhouse, the great expositor of Philadelphia, who took the 10th Presbyterian Church in 1927 as the senior pastor and was there until he died in 1960. He began a magazine that he titled Revelation in 1930. And about 1932 or 33, he wrote those words. <laughs> Amazing. Over, over 70 years ago, a man was, was writing about being plunged from one catastrophe through another in conflicts which have have not happened in, in another generation like this one in political crises. Isn't it interesting that words were first communicated over 70 years ago as he was writing about a book that's over 1,900 years old? And it sounds like something you would have read in yesterday or tomorrow morning's newspaper. The great book of Revelation is ever relevant for any generation. It is, it is significant. It is timely. It is like the Lord himself, alive and powerful. People just like us have been on the edge of their seats down through the, through the generations, anticipating what the truth of the future might be. A lot of people tell us that they can reveal the truth but when you look deep enough and far enough, you realize it is not reliable information. There is only one who knows the truth of the future. And that is the one who was and is and is to come, the Lord himself. That is why when the last book of the Bible is opened, there's an arousing of interest on the part of every one of us who knows the name of Christ and is yielded to his will. Today we undertake what I have called a, the prelude to the unveiling. You have your Bible open to Revelation chapter 1. 
Keep your outline handy because it will keep you and me on target. We'll follow along through it as we work our way through these first eight verses of Revelation chapter 1. The words begin with, uh, well, the purpose of the book followed by a wonderful promise. See if you can pick the purpose out of the first verse. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. A lot of words, if you look closely, you'll find the little word to, T-O. That word introduces the purpose of the book. The book has been revealed to us, the truth of the book, to show the things which must take place, which must soon take place. That is the purpose of the revelation. We learned last time that it isn't plural revelations. It is one great body of truth centering in and having to do with mostly the person of Jesus Christ. So it is the revelation, singular, not of John. It is the unveiling of the truth concerning Christ and the things of the future which must soon take place. Look at the word soon. I was attracted to that as I first began to study the book here recently. I was interested to find out that some teach that to mean because it has been so long since it was given to this point of time today that perhaps he had in mind the rapidity of execution. In other words, when it did happen, things would unfold quickly. However, it doesn't tie in well with the end of verse 3 where we read the time is near. If it is going to be soon and if the time is near, it doesn't seem as though he's talking about execution but about the time between the giving of the revelation and the unfolding of the events revealed in the book. It may help you to mark in your Bible 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Peter 3, I'm missing everything. Verse 8. 2 Peter 3, verse 8 reads, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. That's in a context of the events of the future. Matter of fact, if you look at verse 3 of 2 Peter 3, you'll read, Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? See, the mockers pick up the story and they hear of the coming of Christ and they see all of this time that has passed and they wave a hand at it and say, ah, what are you talking about? What is the, the, what's all this talk about the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, 
all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. And then Peter adds, when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. Meaning that everything hasn't been running along as it has from the beginning. There was a flood that came in all of its tumult and it universally flooded the earth and it brought chaos and destruction and death. So in that context, Peter says, don't let it escape the fact, escape your notice that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and vice versa. Back to Revelation 1. I think what he's saying is that all of this is imminent. I-M-M-I-N-E-N-T. At any moment, it can occur. 2,000 year wait is a couple of days in God's timetable. For us, it's an enormous amount of time. But for him, as he plans things, it, it is soon. He's eternal, you know. And by the way, time means nothing to him who dwells in eternity. You have to continually remember when you are in the book of the Revelation that our fixation is on earth, on this globe where we are bounded by 24-hour days and seven-day weeks. But in God's timetable and in God's existence, the ends are pushed out. There is no beginning and there is no ending and there is no hour of the day and there is no night there. Very difficult for our minds to perceive it but the point is, the unfolding of events on this little globe called earth are right in keeping with God's timetable. And as he measures time, they will soon occur. As we measure it, it will be at any moment. And John testifies that he is speaking to us the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Did I, do, did I go too quickly over the process of the revealing of the truth? Remember last time we learned that revelation means unveiling, the disclosing of something that has once been secret or covered over? That's the way the first verse reads. It is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, watch closely, which God, that's the original source of the information, gave him, referring to Jesus, so we have the Father giving to the Son this truth, and the Son is to show to his bondservants, that would be those who are yielded to his will, sensitive to his truth, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John. So it was the Father who gave the truth to the Son, who revealed it to the angel, probably Gabriel, the information angel. Gabriel then revealed it to John, the writer, and John then wrote it, and it found its way into the parchment and ultimately into the binding of the Bibles we hold today in the last book of the Scriptures. So it came from God through Christ by means of an angel to John and then from John in written form to us. The purpose of it, as you saw in verse 1, is to show the things which must soon take place. Well, what happens to those who receive this information? Verse 3 tells us of the blessing. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy 
and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. You may not know this, but that's a rare statement. Rarely does the Lord tell someone who reads the word, you will be blessed if you read it. But it is a statement early on in the book of the Revelation. We who read the book will be blessed. Now, immediately, I need to, I need to define the meaning of bless. It's one of those overworked terms. We use it at almost every prayer at a meal. Interestingly, the word, as we think of it, means to make happy, to be happy. But we say, Lord, bless this food. Uh, see what I mean? When you, that's the problem you get when you get informed. You realize my prayers need to get readjusted. Maybe I don't mean bless the food. Maybe I mean bless those of us who eat this meal together. But it's more than just showing favor or giving a sense of peace and relief to those who are getting the blessing. Let me go further. It has a Hebrew root, asher, A-S-H-A-R, with a very interesting meaning. It means to find the right pathway in the face of false pathways. It has to do with the discovery of, the me of meaning in life in the face of chaos. Lord, Bless us on this journey of life, meaning give us an understanding of life as we find our way through the false pathways that are about us. Remember the line in Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That's a false pathway. Or sit in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. You are blessed in the midst of the counsel of the ungodly when you see beyond the ungodliness and you find the path that takes you through to the right journey or the right destination. Earl Palmer adds, the word is a tough, tough word in the Bible. It does not express superficial sentiment, but instead the rugged and trusted assurance that it is a good thing to be walking in the pathway of God's will. When you read the book of the Revelation, the chaos may break loose around you, but you will not be panicked. You will not be confused. You will understand that events are unfolding just as God planned them. Notice the blessing is for those who read, those who hear, and those who heed. Original manuscripts of Scripture were very rare. Very rare. Copies of the scriptures originally were very expensive. So it wasn't uncommon for a, a messenger to come to the church to whom the message is written. And he will stand and un unroll the scroll and read it to the congregation. As I may read the first three verses of Revelation to you. So the one who reads is blessed. And then there were many in the congregation who simply heard it. They didn't have copies of the Bible when the revelation was written. They didn't have a full copy of the scriptures as you and I have laying on our laps. So those who hear the truth and then heed what they hear will have a special sense of understanding and, as he puts it, blessing. So we have the purpose of the book in verses 1 and 2. We have 
the blessing that comes from the book in verse 3. Then we get to the greeting when we get down to verse 4. John immediately takes up the stylus and begins to write on the parchment. Begins to write what he is given by the angel. According to verse 1, it was revealed to him by an angel. So John signs his name and he says, To the seven churches that are in Asia. Remember last time we looked at the map that showed those seven churches? They sort of form a, a face on an hourglass, on a clock, as you work your way around from Ephesus all the way around to Laodicea. There were more than seven churches in the first century. But these churches were chosen because they represented the characteristics of churches of any age. First century all the way through the 21st. And however long the Lord may tarry. So th these churches addressed in chapters 2 and 3 will talk about events that happen in our own church or could happen or warnings to guard against what might happen. Because they are uh, indicative of them or representative of those things, these seven were chosen. Look at the greeting. It's an ancient greeting. Grace to you and peace. We heard a song a moment ago that spoke of healing grace, ending with the familiar amazing grace, which always makes us smile down deep inside. Why? Because grace is what God does for us which we do not deserve and which we cannot earn and are unable to repay. It is divine unmerited favor. The children of God who have come to Christ by means of believing in the Lord Jesus who died for us on the cross paying the penalty for our sins, we receive God's matchless grace. The result of receiving His grace is an inner sense of peace and a tranquility. Before you know Christ, you read the newspaper and the tendency is to panic. Or you watch some television reporter as he gives you the bad news. You know, they specialize in it. Bad news sells. Good news doesn't. And so they pack the news with the worst possible probabilities or possibilities. And they leave it with you to filter through your response. We who know Christ and are going to be informed from the book of the Revelation are, are, are going to gain a peace that will not come from the current events or from reporters who report about those events. These things come from the Lord himself. In fact, the triune God. You see the way it unfolds? Look back at verse 4. Grace to you and peace. First, it's from the Father. Him who is, who was, and who is to come. Isn't that a wonderful way to express it? First of all, he is the one who is. He lives in this ever-present now of our lives. But he also is the one who was before there was time. Before matter, this earth, time, the elements of this earth ever came into existence, God was there. The Father's plan has been unfolding ever since, right up to this time where he is. And he says, from him who is to come. 
the one yet to reveal more of his will in the future, even beyond the point of time. Get this. The book of Revelation will take us to the end of time and beyond. Now, it's, it's tough to reckon that because everything in our mind is shaped by the boundaries of time. But with God, it's one massive panorama. One of my mentors, Ray Stedman, used to love to tell one of his theories about eternity. I'll never forget it. He said, I'm convinced when we step out of time and into eternity, everything will be revealed in one entire panorama. We will see the past, we will see the present, we will see the future perfectly unfolded exactly as the Father planned it, and it will all work together for good to those who love God and it will be for the glory of the one who planned it. You'll see it all. Perhaps you long for the day when you'll see your life with panoramic vision, the past, the present, and the future, and you'll see it just as your Heavenly Father planned it. This is Insight for Living. Chuck Swindoll, our Bible teacher, has just started a verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation called Unveiling the End. And we're looking forward to learning more about God's timetable for the future as we unravel the profound mysteries of Revelation together. To learn more about this ministry, visit us online at insightworld.org. Before we move ahead, I want to remind you about a -a one-of-a-kind resource carefully crafted to help you dig deeper into Revelation on your own. Maybe you didn't know about it. Did you realize that every sermon Chuck presents on Insight for Living is paired with study notes? Many of our listeners are already accessing this free study tool. As we begin our study in Revelation, it's the perfect time for you to take advantage of the Searching the Scriptures feature on our website. For your convenience, you can type your notes directly into the online document. Or feel free to print out the PDF and share these notes with your small group Bible study. There's no cost. You can find the Searching the Scriptures document at insightworld.org studies. You can also discover Chuck's complete list of sermons online by accessing the Insight for Living website. This too is free. Just go to insight.org and look for our broadcast library. Our current series is called Unveiling the End. These tools are free to you, but they're not free to us. A gift of any size will help us defray the cost of providing this daily program and the collateral study tools that go along with it. To give a donation today, you can call us If you're listening in the United States, call 800-772-8888 or go online to insight.org slash donate. I'm Bill Meyer. Join us next time when Chuck Swindoll continues his enlightening study in the book of Revelation right here on Insight for Living. The preceding message... Prelude to the Unveiling was copyrighted in 2003, 2006, and 2024, and the sound recording was copyrighted in 2024 by Charles R. Swindoll, Inc. All rights are reserved worldwide. Duplication of copyrighted material for commercial use is strictly prohibited.